You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we start the show, I want to tell you about Dodge. See your authorized Dodge dealer and experience a world of performance, design, and fuel efficiency. Schedule a test drive. Go to Dodge.com and check out our powerful lineup. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the Motorator D'Andrea, and uh, we've got uh, Bill Goldberg, I think, calling in in a few minutes. He's in the car on his way to film a TV show. Uh, I think he's doing NCIS Los Angeles. I don't know if I just gave that away or what. I don't know the plot or whatever, but it's, it's, it's Goldberg doing uh, NCIS. So he's in the middle of filming. He's going to call in. But we do have Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com in the studio. And before we get started, I'm going to tell you that uh, CarCast is brought to you by Zybar for better engine performance, horsepower, fuel economy, and lower underhood temperatures. Zybar is an ultra-thin, high-temperature coating that reduces radiant heat by 90%. Put Zybar on, take heat off. Learn more at Zycoat.com. It's Z-Y-C-O-A-T.com. Alistair, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, man, it's been a little while. It has. It's, uh, it's been a little while. We, we see you at events. <laughs> yeah, I was out in Pebble Beach, which was great fun. Uh, at Goodwood. I, I don't know if we've seen you since. Goodwood, Pebble Beach. Yeah, the American, Goodwood, the American, Pebble Beach. Yeah, the American, the American Goodwood, isn't it, really? Man, I've been watching all of the, uh, the Instagram videos from Goodwood Revival. If you follow Goodwood Revival on Instagram or Goodwood... Uh, racing or something at, on Instagram, and it's all these little like one minute clips. Yeah, it's fabulous. And isn't it? They're all fantastic. Like you've never seen people drive these cars this way. I, you know, we saw a 250 GTO like hit a wall. Unfortunately, that's bad. But man, I saw a video of a guy uh, driving a Jag. Um, I guess like an E Type. And uh, the hood kept popping open. Now, the hood opens toward the driver, right? So it's just kind of a clamshell that opens. Yeah. And, like, I guess the straps on the side came loose or broke, and it was flopping in and out. And it was a, the, the view was from the driver. He had, like, a helmet cam or something in the car. And the hood kept opening a bit, and he couldn't see in front of him. And then it would close and then he can kind of get and he was dicing it up with like two other cars and the hood opened for a second and you can't see and it closed and he passed them both (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if they were just afraid they're like that guy can't see uh but some fantastic driving a guy in the cobras just sawing at the wheel passing people lapping people and the commentators are like i've never seen anything like that before it was just sliding in every turn just going by man this is crazy Crazy videos, so I don't know why that popped into my head. It's probably your accent. Well, what I never get is that a lot of these cars are owned by you know squillionaires, and then they hire Formula One drivers or top sport cars to race them from it. The last person you want in a in in your kind of GDO is a Formula One driver who yeah. Or I mean, yeah, they can handle the car, but also they're going to turn the brain off and they're going to they're going to thrash the thing. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, uh, we're doing this uh, video series on Motor Trends. Sorry, buddy. What's that? <laughs> uh, it's called uh, Adam Carolla Goes Racing. And- and uh, yesterday, the second episode launched, and we went and we visit. Um, it's at Goodwood, and we talked to um, the guy who drives Nick Mason's Ferrari 250 GTL. The driver's name is Nick as well. It was very confusing. We went over to the car, looked for Nick Mason. He's the drummer of Pink Floyd. Yep. 
He paid like fifty thousand dollars for this car in nineteen seventy seven, and now it's worth at least fifty million. It could be eighty million. He's the most unassuming rock star you've ever met, isn't he, Nick Mason? He's raced Lamar. Yeah, yeah, he's raced Lamar. This car raced Lamar. Anyway, uh, he's a guy who he he has somebody. I don't know if he pays him to drive her. The guy drives her for fun. But in the video, it's funny because Adam's like, are you, know, are you afraid of the flint wall? What do you do? And he goes, oh, I just take it easy at this hill climb event because it's, you know, it's just kind of a parade lab. But he goes, but at the Revival is when I really drive it. And I was like, ah. Well, there's also some interesting stuff coming out of the Revival that now tire, tire technology has got so much better. You've got these cars going around faster than they did back in the day because they've got, yeah. you know, contemporary tire compounds on. They've... A lot of them have like little cheeky electric power steering systems fitted, and there's a fair little bit of a finessing, as we might say. I'm sure there is. I'm sure all the suspension bushings are, are urethane now, and anything to like tighten it up but keep it period correct. First of all, you have to keep up with the tire technology. Like if they're using a much grippier tire, the suspensions back then were somewhat designed around the tire, the limitations of the tire, and now if the tires are better. You kind of have to beef up that suspension a little bit. Do something to it, right? So Yeah, the problem is you've got a, an old race circuit. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, old drivers, old cars. I mean, it's a pretty if it, I mean, I've been a good few times over the, over the years, and it's a, it's a pretty hairy event because when the, you know, when the visor comes down, nobody holds back. No. No, I'm telling you, uh, the cars were hitting the dirt. Car, cars were all over the place. But uh, Did you see the roll with the Lotus Cortina? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Check that out on Instagram. Um, I think we follow the same stuff. We I think, like I think same, we do the follow the same stuff. All right, uh, Chris is going to get Bill on the line. I want to get into some of the testing that you guys have been doing. Um, and uh, before we get into that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Wrangler. Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans, a pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever—they're the go-to. Do not underestimate their performance. No one knows this better than Wrangler. Wrangler jeans are made for the modern-day adventurers, the go-getters, folks who like to keep moving. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or you're the type who walks the earth in searching of something, these are the jeans for you, like Kane and Kung Fu, just walk the earth looking for meaning. (laughs) I don't know if he wore Wranglers or not, or just maybe under his robe. They have classic and modern styles, a range of fits at a price that works for you. They have vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everyone. So visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and women. Wrangler, made for the modern world. All right, we got Bill on line one, just press O one on the top. All right. right. Hello? Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Hey, man. How are you? We're, uh, we're here. We're started. We got Alistair in the studio with us. How are you, buddy? I am fucking exhausted. <laughs> uh, I, I left my house at 4.50 this morning. Jeez. Uh, we, tell, we, we, we said at the top of the show that you were going to film a TV show. Um, and I guess uh, you're a couple days into it now? Yeah, this is day four. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Are you, are you commuting every single day, Bill? Are you, you're not, that I you, am. Oh, yeah, because he's filming in L.A. So that's he's filming in L.A., but unfortunately, his lovely wife Wanda has like a broken ankle, so he's yeah. he's going home every night and taking care of things. And uh, that's sweet. And uh, yeah, and then making his little commute <laughs> in the. Uh, it's an, in, it's an excuse for my claustrophobia, is what it is. 
Yeah, right? Um, um, by the way, that's no joke. We we were at uh, Roadkill Nights and like an SUV picked us up to take us to the airport and it was like raining out and uh, Bill put the window down. Just crack the window a little bit. Just get a little air in there. I'm okay with that. And then the driver puts it down. Bill goes, <laughs> he says, excuse me, sir, did you roll up the window? Yeah. I suggest you roll it back down before I punch it out. <laughs> 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 the guy's I like, didn't okay, say that, did I? Yeah, oh god, I did. Yeah, <laughs> it was early, uh, and it was uh, it was funny. And the guy's like, okay, I think he, I think he saw some humor in it as well. Um, uh, but I knew what you were talking about uh, of why you do that. But uh, uh, anyway, so we're just about to get into some of this, uh, some of the testing and stuff that um, we were talking about Goodwood, and we were talking about the Goodwood revival that's going on right now, and and all the little videos are popping up. Um, but, uh, but Alistair has been, uh, heading up some, some good testing recently. And I think, uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with the, with the cars or the trucks? Let's start with the trucks. Let's start with the trucks. There's a, a head to head competition, a head to head to head competition. Yeah. What, what did you guys do? So we had the, I mean, this only happens every once every about seven years. We had a brand new Ram 1500, uh, Ford F-150, Chevy Silverado, we actually put them head-to-head for uh, about three days of filming. Um, and then it's an 18-minute epic film. Check it out on our YouTube channel. Um, Edmunds, Edmunds is the channel, unsurprisingly. And there was a very clear winner at the end it, of it all. So explain some of the testing and how this works. This is a big deal. These trucks sell about a million units a year yeah. in the U.S. Uh, you know, when they make a big revision to these trucks, this is a billion-dollar R&D budget. Like, this is not insignificant. This is the bread and butter. Ford, to the extent of saying that they're kind of phasing out most of their cars and focusing on their trucks and SUVs, because an F-150 is so profitable for them. You'd yeah. think that they were Porsche with all their profit. But, this is uh, the one that you can't screw up, isn't it? You it, screw up the right. truck, you, you can't, screw the company. You can't screw it yeah. up. You know? This is a little just like... For, hey, just for the record, just for the record, is the budget as big as Alistair's? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what his buying budget is, but it's, it's not insignificant, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but So this is an important thing as well, because I want to get into some of the testing that you guys did. And then the long-term tests, I have questions about, and you've said this before, sure. uh, you guys buy vehicles. You have a budget where you select vehicles and you keep them for a year or so, and everyone on your staff drives these things whenever they need to, because you guys try to get, is there like a minimum 15,000, 20,000 miles a year? You try to put a lot of miles on them. Yeah, right? we try and do 20,000 miles a year, which is kind of, a, I suppose, more than most people would. But also we have, I mean, I have a team of about 40 people, so we have lots of different people, you know, rotating through it, different lifestyles, different driving techniques, that sort of thing. So it's, it becomes a, a proper real world test. And interesting in this test, the without wishing to spoil it for everybody, the the Ram comes out number one, and we get all these YouTube comments. You know what it's like. Yeah. So you get these YouTube comments. It's sponsored by Ram. You know, it's sponsored by Dodge and all the rest of it. And it's and actually we went out and bought the Ram ourselves. So. I signed off sixty-two okay, let, thousand dollars for the Rams. So. Let's go ahead and caveat that. Yes, we do have Dodge as a sponsorship, yeah. but that has no bearing on our content. We love the guys, but no bearing on our content and no bearing on your content. Yeah, we're especially not when it's here. <laughs> especially when it's here. So t- I okay, I'm a little surprised as well. I and unfortunately, you know, Chrysler, Fiat, Chrysler had uh, had. Uh, uh, some ups and downs over the past few years. I think they're starting to make some pretty good cars. But the truth is, is you know, in the past few years, if you Googled top 10 cars you should avoid, something Chrysler, Ram, 
Fiat, Maserati would pop up on that list. Now, this is this is something that's been changing for quite a bit. Now they're starting to make some more fun stuff. Um, but what do you think the overall long-term reliability is going to be on that truck versus the others? Well, it's silly days, of course, but we are – I mean, this is this is the point of the long-term test. We we bought one. We, we own also own an F-150. Uh, we're looking at getting a, a Silverado. What strikes us about the Ram is just the attention to detail. It's almost like for, for what you said, you know, they've had a tough few years, and they've almost said, right, we need to – do you Americans use throw the kitchen sink at this thing? So you throw everything yes. you've got at, at yes. this truck. And when you get into it, the attention to detail is fantastic. You know, just the little little things that they thought of that the other guys haven't. Um, and that really shines through. I mean, the big loser in this actually was the Silverado. The F-150 is a few years old, so I think, you know, that came second and forward probably, you know, fairly – you know, fairly au okay with that because it's an older vehicle. The Silverado, brand, brand new. We actually went on the launch of it in, in Wyoming, drove it back from Wyoming to L.A. so that we could do the test uh, and use our test facilities and everything else, our test track. Then the Silverado comes third. And, and when you sit in it, you just it just feels like an old truck compared to the other two, which for something that's brand new is, is extraordinary. It feels like they just dropped the ball a little bit. Interesting. Tell me why you think the uh, why the Ram has upped its game what's do you, do you know what the power plant is or why it's better um what what was the one or two things that you thought really stood out it's it's i mean they're all sort of priced around the same yeah. right so it's not price i mean it's huge and comp- they all kind of have similar towing capabilities similar power capabilities so what what is the big selling point now is it drivability is it fuel economy is it just you're quite, right. You're quite right. I mean, because you can spec, there are so many different iterations of these trucks now that, that you almost need a degree to, to pick the one that's right for you. And we spent a lot of time matching the matching these vehicles up and making sure we had the right specification to compare. And we did a whole bunch of things. And we uh, we towed an Airstream, which is kind of fun in the film. Uh, we put an ATV in the in the back so that we could we could look at the space and the the versatility. The big thing about the Ram, I think, is 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 overall the way the way that it drives. The interior is terrific. The interior is so much better that, better than the other two. Um, and as I said, that that attention to detail. Yeah, they all tow well. They've all got tons of space inside. I mean, they're big trucks now. They really are. Yeah. But overall, the Ram, pretty much across the board, Ford has the best engine, the EcoBoost. But in every other way, the Ram, maybe the Chevy has the slightly bigger load bay. But when you put as an all rounder, when you put it together, the Ram just has that extra level of polish. They've yeah. done a great job. They really have. Now, the, the Silverado at some point, I think it's sort of a, a, a later year addition, is going to have a carbon fiber bed. It's going to reduce weight. Do you think that's going to make any real difference? I think that's on the GMC Sierra because you know when you have the, oh, it's you on have the, the GMC, you have the, the sort of up, up and sort of the upscale version of yeah, the Silverado. Which we've also just driven. Um, yeah. And the Sierra is, as you say, a slightly kind of posher version of the, yeah. of the Silverado. You get a bit of fake wood, you get a bit of. Um, you get a slightly different dash and that sort of thing, but uh, and we'll probably bring one of those back to to test it against the Ram. But it's yeah, I mean a carbon fiber. I mean, it feels like a gimmick to me. I mean, I mean you're not going to save weight. I mean, think how much these things weigh. It's yeah. like when you stick carbon fiber on the dashboard of some sort of you know giant BMW and say it saves like two ounces. Yeah, no, then you put difference. yeah, then That's, you put Bill in the passenger you, seat and it ruins it all. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you put your wallet in your pocket and you're done. Yeah, like Bill's just, wallet, not yeah, mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, speaking of Ram truck, did you get your truck back, Bill? Uh, no, not yet. Who's got it? No. Uh, well, Mark Warman. Warman? Let's, 
Let's put him on notice right now. I, I knew Warman had. It. I was just trying to bust his being balls. Sent there, you know. So <laughs> I, I'm trying to trying to up the ante on getting her done. Yeah, I just um, just for fun, I ordered up. Uh, uh, I forgot the schedule. I think it's um, next month or something. I'm going to drive a Ford Raptor, the new Raptor. Nice. Um, but I think uh, I think this this new Ram. Uh, truck. I'm trying to look at my schedule to see when that Raptor is supposed to come in. Oh, uh, first week of October. What I want to know is uh, is everybody's answer to the Raptor. I want to know what Chevy's answer, and I want to know what Dodge's answer. These these trucks that I've been ta- been hearing about over the years, you know, coming out and competing with them head to head. I want to. I want to. I want to see com- competition between those three. And that that's a good question. Now, uh, Alistair, do you, do you feel like a halo truck, like a Raptor for Ford, is is a huge benefit for the company, or do you think it doesn't really make much of a difference? Well, given that Ford's given up on on building cars, um, so you're not going to have, and apart from the Mustang, you're not going to have a Focus RS, a, you know, Fiesta ST, which I was a huge fan of. So, you know, that the trucks is where it's going to be at. You're going to have a, we're about to drive the Edge ST, so yeah. a performance version of the Edge. But you know, if you think about where the Halo products are coming from in the future, then then the Raptor's going to be it, plus uh, plus the Mustangs. Yeah. Now, what kind of what kind of um impact do you think something like a ranger will do is the colorado doing well for example yeah they don't sell as they don't sell it in the numbers that the big trucks do but there's definitely a market for it i mean when you think how big the silverado and and those trucks are now for a lot of people they're just that you know they're they're too big i can't wonder it doesn't fit in my garage so i have trouble taking it home. whereas those more combat trucks a little bit more accessible a little bit cheaper but also for somebody who doesn't need all the space they they can actually be a bit easier to live with if if the big trucks are selling, I don't know, seven hundred thousand to a million units per year for the big three, that's almost three million combined units. What's that's what's about what, a million combined, yeah, in a year. Yeah. What uh what what do you think the the mid size or the the small truck uh, market is? If you combine Tacoma and Frontier and Colorado and is it this is, is it, is it even twenty percent. I knew you were going to put me on the spot for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to duck this question because I think particularly till Ranger really gets on stream, I think that can actually yeah. open up the open up the market. I can't give you the I couldn't give you the exact figure yeah. off the top of my head. I would have to look at the data, but I think Ranger will. I mean, that, that's existed in Europe, a version of that truck for for a long time, where it actually feels pretty big in Europe. I think that will do well for them, and yeah. I think they need it to complement the F150. And it's the same we've seen with cars. Cars have got bigger and bigger and bigger. Then you need to slot something in underneath and. You know, it, it'll be a good product, and I think I think it'll do well. Bill, you need to test a Ram because I feel like if I test it in Venice, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Like, I don't know. If it, like, like, look, a Raptor, I could just run over curbs and people's lawns and stuff, and that's fine. But I don't know how to test like a Ram, like a real like truck. I feel like oh, I do, I do. I got a horse trailer it can pull. I have a, a you know a camper it can pull. I got uh, four wheelers I can throw in the back, and I can sure do uh, anything else needed on the uh, Goldberg estate. Well, if you Goldberg ever want farm, if you ever want to borrow hours, you're welcome anytime. You're the man, Alistair. <laughs> but he bought his, so you gotta be careful with it. <laughs> it's a kind of yeah, ba- it's, sure. a, it's a kind of beige color as well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's necessarily your look, but it's um... low key is fine. I think low key is fine. I I it's really about like 
you know, in in the day to day life, how comfortable is it? Because we're, you know, people are starting to to invest. You know, you have over sixty thousand yeah. dollars into this truck. Sixty thousand yeah. dollars into this truck. You get in it, you want it to feel like an Audi or something, right? Like, and, and the reality I, is, it, it it does. I mean, not quite to Audi quality, but you get in that thing, and it feels like a luxury vehicle. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money now, but this is something that you can live with day to day, and it can take you to the. You know, take these to cinema on a Saturday night, and then and then do the work job during the week, and and that's the appeal of them. When you get into the kind of upper range, upper ranges of the you know the trims, is yours two wheel drive or four wheel drive? I ask that because we have a lot of parking garages, and not everything fits. Ours is all wheel drive, yeah, all wheel drive. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other cars you guys are testing. You you, you brought a Corvette ZR1 out front, which is uh, intense. Looking, yeah. the wing in the back is is huge. We'll have to get into that, but I think it's first. Than um, you. I'm gonna tell you guys about Continental. If you think about all the weird things that you find in cars, eh, things like uh, not just like French fries and melted crayons. I'm talking about things like live snakes, like if you live at Goldberg's place, and uh, <laughs> bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that makes you wonder about folks. Well, another thing that'll make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental belts. I bet you didn't know they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE on a majority of BMWs and VWs. Now, Continental is launching their aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has the OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. So listen, you get enough surprises working on your cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit OETechnologySeries.com. That's OETechnologySeries.com. All right, tell us about uh, what you got going on with the Corvette outside, ZR1. This is the big dog in the Corvette lineup. Uh, I don't know if that wing is optional. It is. That's part of a track pack, yeah. But I, I can't. Think, it looks like something out of, like, Blade movie, maybe Predator. It's it's intense looking, and it's fastened to the back lip of the vehicle, not the trunk lid. It's so actually you, built into the structure, which is interesting. So you kind of, like, I like that because it makes it seem like a real wing. Yeah. But, uh, but a little hokey on getting stuff in and out of the trunk. But I guess if that's what you're... You also feel a little bit self-conscious driving it with such a ridiculous With such way. a ridiculous yeah. thing, right? When you're sitting in traffic going, how's that working for you, buddy? <laughs> and the other problem you get alongside, so you get this huge rear, rear wing, which sticks about six feet off the ground. And then to balance the error at the front, you've got this little carbon fiber chin spoiler, which means that getting out of your garage or getting out of, you know, even going uphill sometime is a bit of yeah. a challenge for not scraping it. So it is, I mean, we've pitched it against the GT3, and as I sit here today on a, on a Wednesday morning, we're actually halfway through the test. So we had it down at the Edmunds test track on, on Monday. We had the ZR1, uh, the GT3, um, and actually our long-term uh, Jaguar SVR as well. Um, and then tomorrow we're heading out to, to, to Willow Springs to... Um, well, break to, it down. What do you know for us so far? Where are we on price and horsepower and some performance? How do these things kind of match up? So the interesting thing, uh, some of our rivals might have put the ZR1 against the GT2 RS because they match up on horsepower. They both got over 700. 
But the GT2RS is, is $300,000, which just makes the whole thing slightly ridiculous. So the ZR1 is, uh, base price is, uh, well, in our, in our test at 131000 with G- some of the options and stuff. Yeah, they're, the G- they're, they're coming to like 120. Yeah, 120. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, in, in their base trim, there's about $25,000 between them. If you want on the G- on the 911, you probably want to put the carbon ceramic brakes on it, which are standard on the on the ZR1. So the difference comes out about just over 30,000. 30, but of course, one of the things we're looking at is depreciation on a GT3 is a lot less than a Corvette traditionally. Um, the Porsches hold their value and even appreciate. So you've got to think about not just the cost of what you're buying it for, yeah. but what, how much this thing's going to cost you over three, five years. Yeah. All right, um, real quick, uh, Goldberg, I understand you got to bail. you got to go to uh, – got to go back and film. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, gentlemen, uh, it's been an honor and a privilege, but uh, <laughs> Alistair and uh, Mr. Matt and Chris, I have to uh, go to work. Okay, well, we'll check in with you again later, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for calling in. You got it, guys. Okay. Well. Anyway, continue. So you want to know the numbers, don't you? Yeah, Not how much it I costs, do. Really. Well, okay. So one hundred thirty thousand for the ZR1, like one hundred and sixty for the GT2. Where did the SVR, the Jag, GT3. come in? Uh, the Jags, the Jags, about one hundred and forty. But the main twin test we're doing is between the ZR1 and the GT3 because they are both philosophically the same. Okay. And what's interesting, you basically got this old school, old school test, haven't you? It's, it's American bang for your buck, old school muscle against kind of European culture and sophistication. <laughs> but what's in it? I mean, so the GT3 has 500 horsepower, so it's giving away 250 horsepower just over to the to the ZR1. But when we took it to our test track and put it off the line, ZR1 weighs 3,000, nearly 3,700 pounds, whereas the GT3 is only 3,200. Yeah, it's quite a difference. So, but the big problem, both are rear-wheel drive, but of course the, where the Corvette engine is, trying to get them off the line, 0 to 60 for the ZR1, 3.6 seconds. Okay. GT3, what do you reckon? Giving away 250 horsepower. I, I, I think Porsche is pretty good at dialing it in. I, I want to say, what would you say, ZR1 was 3.6? I'm going to say... Three six. <laughs> well, actually, three three point three. Three point three. I was going to ah, ask. Gonna, then, when you get to the quarter mile, they're actually identical. Eleven point two. The the vet with the with a pure horsepower advantage is doing one hundred twenty seven miles an hour, but the GT three is only just behind at one hundred twenty four point seven. So, it's this whole thing about people get so excited by horsepower, and it's the, it's all a kind of you know the barroom bore chat. Mm-hmm. But in the in the real world, actually, it's about how it puts the power down. They're both running on on um, Pilot Sport Cup two tires, so they've both got pretty much as as racy as you can possibly get in a road tire. Yeah. Um, so they're both on the same Michelins. The Corvettes are a little bit little bit bigger, but yeah, in terms of straight line thrust, even with two hundred fifty horsepower more, the uh, the GT three is actually outgunning it off the line. I think above a hundred, then the yeah. the extra power that ZR one will make a difference. And uh, where did the uh, the Jag fit in there? Just curious. So the Jag's interesting because the Jag is all wheel drive, and we're actually running this car um, for a year. This weighs more, so it's four, nearly four thousand pounds. So it weighs even more than the the Corvette. Uh, but of course, all wheel drive, zero to sixty, three point six, so the same as the Vet. Uh, quarter mile, eleven point six, so just behind the two of them. Um, but what's nice about that? That's not on silly tires. That's just on P zero, fairly you know, fairly standard, you know, sporty, but yeah. but not hand, you know, the others look like hand cut slicks. Yeah, but I still think that's impressive for what drag for, for what Jaguar's been trying to do with with the brand. This you know they haven't been 
building these SVRs and this, you know, this super high performance line of cars for as long as the other guys have been. You yeah. Know, and we, you know, the Corvette has always been a sports car and they've really upped their game since, since the very beginning. And philosophically, it's in a slightly different place. The GT3 and ZR1 are very much track focused. The, the, mm-hmm. Jag, the Jag isn't so much. I can give you the skid pad figures as well because these are really interesting. So the ZR1 on really big boots, 1.24 G. That's wow. a huge figure. I think we, we're actually looking up as whether this is the this is the highest load that we've ever ever tested, but it's got to be nearly right up there. Okay, so that's the winner. Uh, GT3 1.18, which is still yeah, which is still really I good. I can't feel the difference, but sure. <laughs> um, and the SVR 1.07. But one of the things that the the ZR1's got it with the head-up display system, it actually gives you what G you're pulling through the head-up display system. Which, if you think about, is it accurate? Take, uh, I, I would have to cross-reference it, but but the crazy thing about that, if you're on the circuit or something, you're just watching the G meter all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to be careful with that. Um, so you had a chance to to spend some time in all of the cars. Are you driving them around? What 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 do you what do you like? What's the car to drive? I assume. You know, ZR1 probably has some sort of magnetic ride going on. It does, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, uh, Porsche doesn't, but it has their version of... Yeah, it has the electronic damping. So so they both, to be honest, for cars that are so track-focused, they just do it both do a great job of being pretty easy to live with. Um, the ZR1 has a kind of stealth mode, so you can knock the exhaust right down, and, and it just cruises along quite happily. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I don't like about the driving position, if you're a tall guy, is terrible. The seats you constantly feel like you're falling out of. Um, the GT3, I mean, we're all familiar with 911s. You get into it. It's got these kind of ex- exuberant, sorry, exuberant carbon bucket seats, which is another $5,000. But you just suddenly feel like you're in a race car and you're kind of instantly at home. The Vette is a little bit intimidating because the, they've actually had to cut a big hole out of the hood for the engine because the supercharger actually is too tall now for, for the traditional hood. So they've cut a hole in the hood, a bit like one of those kind of shaker hoods that you get on, um, yeah. on chargers and chargers. So, as you sit in the car, you're now got like a little peepee hole. It's almost like having a full face helmet on. You're now staring out through a really narrow gap in the windscreen. So the whole thing is actually quite intimidating. You get into the 911, you're a bit more upright. You feel instantly at home. But yeah, it's so a great test. The, the Corvette thing is kind of interesting because I have some issues with that, you know, because I'm a short guy. And as a short guy, you get in the car and then it's very difficult to kind of see over the hood. And then when you start raising the seat up too much, Chris feels my pain. When you start raising the seat up too much, now you're starting to hyperextend your knee because the clutch is so far away if you're driving a manual, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, I guess maybe that's where where all of these paddle shift cars will will start to benefit short guys. Maybe that's the reason why they're doing it because all these little Italian racers are going so fast and they need to do it that way. Um, uh, which which is funny because I don't know why we think of this in all the SUVs. I was driving the Lincoln Navigator. We drove that to Monterey and back. That's got adjustable pedals. That's the greatest feature in the world. I love the adjustable pedals. Why can't we put that in a Corvette ZR1? Because then I feel like I can get uh, get the right position going because it's difficult to see. Like I can't see the front like passenger corner. Yeah, you know it's kind of too far away, and you got a big hood scoop in the way. But this year, I mean, I actually have the opposite problem. I'm six foot four, and I I feel like I'm sat too much on top of it. So I'd want to junk the seats, put some proper buckets in, and actually sit lower at what we call the H point, which is basically the hit point as you go a little – so to sit lower in the car. And it is amazing. I mean this is a you know 200-mile-an-hour supercar, and I struggle to get comfortable in it. You have the same problem. And yeah. it's astonishing. They put all this engineering, all this time into carbon rear wings and everything else. And I get into so many modern cars and don't feel 100% comfortable. It's, it's weird. Don't be too short and don't be too tall. That's the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> or hire us as part of the team. Yeah, you have to like Gattaca your feet. You have to like uh, – what's is, is that the Ethan Hawke movie? I don't know. <laughs> Gattaca where they like chopped his legs to make him taller because he and like Jude Law needed to be the same height. Anyway, it's a, it's a weird reference. I'm sure. I'm sure only Matt Funnelier can get it. Uh, but uh, uh, how are the seats in the GT3? I ask that because it's sort of a fixed carbon fiber. It is. You've got bucket. three options in the GT3. You've got the standard four-way, and then you can have an 18-way as an option, which is about $2,500, or you go all the way up to these buckets, which are about $5,000 in a carbon. They are surprised. The problem with these things, when you can't recline them in any way, that is kind of your driving position. And, and me, I would probably go with the with the standard seats. They give you good support. You've got a little bit more adjustability. And, you know, if you, if you, particularly passengers, I mean, it's all right getting into a car. And also, you, you look like a numpty getting in and out. If you try and get in and out, you have to kind of like slide your backside over and yeah, the top of the Yeah, you have to kind of slip over and get it out of there. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of an gu- interesting issue. My girlfriend, I, we had the same seats in the 911T I tested recently, and my girlfriend hated it because just trying to get in and out, trying to get in and out of the thing. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. I can see that, um, which is uh, uh, interesting because. <laughs> Porsche is good with the options, you know. They yeah. just have a whole option list. I'm surprised if the GT3 even comes with seats. I think seats are optional, and you just got to pick. Do you want the seven thousand dollars seats, the five thousand, or the nine thousand? And they're so good at like saying, "Oh, would you like a little bit of a you know red stitching on the steering wheel?" You think, "Oh, that's that'd be kind of nice." And that's another thousand gone. And, yeah, yeah, that's another thousand gone. It could really add up. They've got a. A whole list of stuff. And then the Jaguar SVR. I love the Jaguar F-Type. I think it's a great car. I think it's one of the best sounding cars out there when you open that exhaust up. Um, it's um, It would be fantastic if it was all-wheel drive, 570 horsepower, 575 with a manual. But uh, that's not yeah, going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but do you think that car is is a more comfortable car compared to the others? Honestly, it's not. Um, we didn't put it in the test because it's less. The SVR is less track focused, and we wanted to kind of marry them up for the, the cars with the same philosophy. Um, but we took it along to test because we're interested in the in the performance. But you can always pull the data that you guys exactly have and kind of uh, compare uh, it and say, what if we added the SVR to the? And actually, yeah. I let, let you see. We're actually going up to to Willow Springs tomorrow. We're taking the Jag as a as a camera car, so we can build some cameras <laughs> oh, yeah, to the exterior, yeah. which gives us the performance, so we can have a bit of fun with the with the vet and the GT3. And, oh, the uh, camera guy is going to be the most comfortable. Oh, we're not. Yeah, yeah. We're just hanging him <laughs> off the rear wing. It's all because, yeah. No, um, okay. So, also, you guys have another video that you posted. I just want to get into. It looked like something kind of fun that you guys did. You took a nine eleven T, an older one. You took an old nine eleven. Yeah. Is that your nine eleven? No, mine's still in the UK. Sadly. Yeah, so, trap uh, there. Yeah, we're trapped there well, for now. We're, still, we're working on it. That might be a story for another time. <laughs> uh, so you took an old nine eleven and you did some laps in it. You took a new nine eleven. You did some laps in it and. Uh, yeah, we're always trying to do something a little bit different, and you know, there's so many car reviews out there. It's how can we how can we do this differently? So we, and the 911T, of course, was inspired by the the original from the early 1970s, and we found a place down in Newport Beach that had one. So we they kindly let us borrow it. Uh, car Park USA, great great company, um, and we we went down there. We borrow we borrowed it, and we kind of drove it around. Then sort of presented because that the the classic car was 150 thousand dollars. It was a really nice example of one. And then, of course, the modern one was about 100 and 110. So it was an interesting comparison. But in the end, slightly futile. And that the old one is, is not an everyday car. It's something that you, you have as a toy or an investment or just yeah. something that you, you love and cherish. Whereas the, the 911T, if you can't stretch to a GT3 or just don't want to live with something so extreme, that's such a great car. It, it is. really is. I mean, we think about what, what, is, the, what is the best sport, all-round sports car you can buy today. 
and 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 that would be my choice. And the irony is that they're replacing it. The nine eleven or the nine eleven T specifically. Nine eleven T specifically, because you take the you take basically take the best bits of a of a Carrera S. You take the basic shell of a of a, of a Carrera. You kind of it's almost like what the engineers. If you gave the development team, it's pretty much you give the development team say build the nine eleven for you, and that's what they've done. So for real enthusiasts, a stick shift nine eleven T, unless you can reach to a GT three, is 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 the way forward. Fabulous car. Is, is the nine eleven T based on the standard Carrera, or does it have the wider hips of the four? Does it have the upgraded horsepower of the S? Like how does the how does the T line up? So it basically takes a standard Carrera and then adds the best bits from the um, from, from the Carrera S. So you get the upgraded diff, you get the um, you've you've got part of the Sport Chrono pack inside. You've got the upgraded suspension. So it's basically and in terms of power, I mean, again, this car's running you know mid fours to sixty and stuff. I mean, you know, you're not going to say that it's underpowered. I mean, if you watch the watch the film, which again is on our can I plug this again? It's on our YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and you'll see in there where when we actually run the figures, you know, it's so fast and so capable. What's nice about it, you know, to drive a GT3 hard, you know, you've got to have a lot of experience and, and, and ideally have done some racing in the past. Whereas the the 911T, the limits are a little bit lower. You can start to feel it move around a little bit more. You're not playing around with downforce. So actually, it's a lot more accessible. And yeah. as an everyday road car, it's tremendous. Well, uh, we're going to have to give up the studio in a couple of minutes here. So um, before we do, I'm going to tell you about Dodge. Your authorized Dodge dealer invites you to experience a world of performance, design, and fuel efficiency. Schedule a test drive today. Go to Dodge.com or visit your Dodge dealer to learn more about the exciting offers on our powerful lineup. Um, what can we look forward to next with you guys? Uh, we've got uh, – I mean, it's not going to be long before we start getting into sort of an auto show season and a SEMA season. And SEMA isn't really your bag, but um, but LA Auto Show is going to come up. Well, I got Paris first in October, so I'm heading heading back to Europe to, for a week okay. uh, for the Paris show. And, and then off the back of it, doing the 24 hours of spa in a 75-horsepower Citroen. But I'll tell you about that <laughs> another time. Uh, but My yeah. alpha tide has got more than that. <laughs> so, yeah. we, so I'm doing Paris Auto Show beginning of October. Then, of course, we get into LA show. Uh, then January is Detroit, the last Detroit show that will be in January before it moves to before it moves to June. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, auto, I mean, auto shows aren't what they were. And we talked about this last time, but you know they're still important for us, and we'll, we'll still have a big presence there. And yeah, there's lots of lots of stuff coming out. It's a really driving the Nissan Altima in a couple of weeks, which will be a, another huge seller for them. Uh, Lexus UXS on our side at the moment. We've just driven driven that. that and was, Lexus ES. I'm going to be driving one of those at, at some point soon. That's a big, yeah. that's a big important car for them. It is an the important mid-size car. sedan for them. That's their five series, their E class. Yeah, you know that's that's it's, the big competitor. It's big volume. It's big volume for them. Yeah. Um, then on the on the horizon, Mercedes have just launched the the new GLE. There's a new BMW 3 Series that will debut at Paris. So there's a lot of stuff. Well, what coming about up. Mercedes uh, electric lineup? Uh, yeah, they've just unveiled the EQC. Again, you can check this out on our site. Um, so this is basically a GLC but electric. Now, the interesting thing about this guy, it's got about 400 horsepower and, and looks, I think it looks like a slightly ugly version of a GLC, but that's just my, my opinion. But the interesting thing, they're launching it with 200-mile range, which in today's world isn't that much. We've got a Chevy Bolt on our fleet, which has a range of about 270 miles. So Yeah, I think the I-Pace is going to have about 240. Yeah, the I-Pace will have yeah, more than jack. that. So they're almost making a bet that people, because batteries are still pretty expensive, so they're making a bet that will bring it in a price that people can afford and people are happy with a 200-mile range. The reality is I think, I think that's probably true, but psychologically, 
it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it's a tough sell. I think if you're looking at, I don't know, just for the sake of argument, if you say, hey, this uh, this Mercedes electric little SUV is 44900 and the Jaguar is 49900 uh, but it has... 250-mile range versus 200-mile range, I think people are going to buy the 250-mile the range. I, I think, think it's so close in price. Like if you're going to tell me it's $10,000 difference, 39000 versus 49000 then I think there's an argument to be made. But I think if it's a few thousand bucks. It'll be interesting to see where the lease prices are as well. A lot of these vehicles will be will be leased. But it, but the electric charge is coming. I mean we are on, if you pardon the pun, we're in um, San Francisco next week where Audi's re- rolling out the e-tron, uh, which is also an SUV. Mm-hmm. Uh, BMW will have electric version of the of the X3 on the way. You know this is this is happening and it's happening now. And over the next sort of year, eighteen months, we're going to see more and more electric cars roll out. Yeah, interesting times. Alistair, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Um, uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your trip to Paris. You got a tough job. <laughs> it's <laughs> a tough job. <laughs> you get paid to go. That's your thing. Um, try not to get any tickets. Trying to, because I know what happened when you were in London last time. You got. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My French isn't good enough to talk my way out of it either. No, no. Um, Thanks for that. Thanks for Bill for calling in. We'll try to get some more time with him next time. Like I said, he's got to film some stuff. Hey, what do you got to do? You got to pay the bills. Um, All right. So uh, for Alistair and Chris and Goldberg and uh, myself, thanks, guys. And until next time. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on one second. <laughs> I guess before we wrap it, wrap it up, I'm going to tell you one more time about Zybar. This is a revolutionary new product that our CarCast team is is excited about. You've heard us talk about it before. This is an ultra-thin coating for manifolds, headers, turbos, tailpipes, mufflers, and tips. It's only one-thousandth of an inch thickness. It reduces radiant heat by up to 90%. It's the first DIY thermal coating of its kind. I took a look at this stuff. We've got some back there. I'm, I'm excited to apply it and see. This is not uh, uh, an expensive ceramic coating. This is pretty much makes that obsolete. This you spray it on, and it's more of a, I don't know, maybe a polymer-based type of coating. Um, it, uh, it doesn't break down even in 2,000-degree environments, and it comes in four great colors. They have bronze, midnight black, cast silver, and Porsche gray. It'll make your engine a showpiece. It's available for purchase at Zycoat.com. That's Z-Y-C-O-A-T.com. And many auto parts retail locations put Zybar on. Take heat off. All right. So we're just about uh, – we're good. We'll see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys on Friday uh, with myself and Adam Crollo. So until next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Carcast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarcastShow.com, and don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. Carcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.